Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Morning Show After Show, where we connect the dots the morning after. We are so excited to be discussing episode five today called Ghosts. And guys, don't worry, we're watching along with you. So we'll only be spoiling up to episode five and no other spoilers. And for those who might be new to the show, I'm Morgan Rojas and I'm a member of the Hollywood Critics Association. And once again, I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts and fellow HCA members, Kevin Taft and Kira Lynn. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. So we're halfway through season two already. Kira, what did you think after watching this episode? Sponsored by Advil. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> I loved it. Never a truer statement. <laughs> um, I do love some Advil, just <laughs> to let you know. Um, yeah, there was a lot going on in this episode. Uh, a lot of friction, oh. a lot of reveals, so uh, we have a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, and you at home had a lot to say about the episode, so we'd love to hear your comments that you're posting on YouTube and Twitter pages. Keep it up, and maybe your comment will be featured next week. But this week, we hear from, let me pull out my comments, um, somebody said, hmm, I like this one particularly because it's about me. Oh! Um, I think Kevin is right about Yanko being a conservative, which I hope they don't change that if it is true. And I agree mm. because I think it's an interesting, something we kind of didn't expect actually, I think, from him. So I'm excited about that as well. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. A lot of his choices seem slightly skewed in that direction, and I can only imagine how it's going to evolve further if that is true and you know he goes further down that road so yeah, yeah exactly. interesting point well what i like about it even though i have not to get political but what i like about it is we're going to now see another side yeah. of yanko whereas yeah he was yeah. you know in love with claire season one but in this sort of scenario it gets juicy and that's what we want to see from and next we're year. and we're going to talk about him later but i do think that um it's interesting to see a conservative viewpoint on a morning show that doesn't seem very conservative, but also maybe a conservative viewpoint that's not the extreme that we've been seeing for the past how many ever years that we had to suffer through. Um, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> trying to get political. how you really feel about that. <laughs> um, so we'll talk about that. Um, but the next comment is just for all of us. Oh, okay. I love the energy from this panel, so I hope you do more movie shows together. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Movies, television, we'll do it all. It's yeah. fine. If that's what the people want, <laughs> right? we don't want to disappoint yeah, them. Yeah, want. <laughs> um, but please, don't forget to like, subscribe, turn on that notification bell, so you don't miss out on any future Hollywood Critics Association content. And now for some morning show after show show mail. Now, if you want to send over a question to one of us or some of us, submit a question for a possible upcoming guest. Send us an email at shows at HollywoodCriticsAssociation.com. Your question could be featured here or answered by one of your favorite actors from the show. It could happen, guys. So let's get to it. We have from San Jose, California, we have Romaine. She says, thank you so much for picking my question. You're welcome. Uh, I'm loving season two. I enjoy all the characters as a viewer, but I wonder how annoying they would be in real life. <laughs> Did you feel like that about every show? Yes. Like I would never hang out with the people from Friends, for sure. Oh, really? I would. No, I would be best so friends annoying. with Chandler. And like uh, Grace, they're all terrible people. Well, the main real question is, what character would you love or hate to have as a boss or a coworker? That is such a good oh. question. Okay, um, Chip. 
What? Uh, you, love you or hate? Love or hate? I love. Of course. You, of course. Mean, hello. <laughs> Have you not been watching well, our episodes? Wait, 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 wait. Hold Martin on, hold on. Fan. Is it is it Chip or is it Mark Duplass? <laughs> she wants Mark Duplass mm. as a boss. Are you watching? Or, or not just a boss. How about you, Kev? Who would you want? For a boss. Ooh, that is really hard. Okay, how about a You know co-worker? what, Stella? Stella, you oh. would want Stella. I think I would because she's, I feel like she would be, she would be understanding and, and like empath- empathetic when she needs to be, but she'd also be hard. And I think for me, like I want somebody to be very direct and like I don't be wishy-washy with me. Mm-hmm. For me, the person that I would choose is because she just seems to be the least drama so far as we've seen her is Raina. <laughs> Uh, I want Raina as a coworker. I would love to have Raina as a coworker because, you know, she seems like she would be a fun, like, empathetic, funny sort of, you know, team sort yeah. of player. Yeah, so, I like her. I, obviously, this is the morning show, and it's riddled with drama. So I personally, in my everyday, don't want to deal with drama, even though I have to deal with YouTube. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> totally joking. But I would, yeah, I would rather, if I had to pick a coworker, it would be Raina because she seems to be the less offensive. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I would not want to work with Jennifer Aniston. Oh. Well, not Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer. I would work with you. <laughs> but no, her, um, Alex, I don't think I could. I don't deal with narcissistic personalities at all mm-hmm. very well. So that would drive me crazy. What about Corey? Oh, yeah. I mean, love, I like oh, Corey. you know what? I change everything. I'd work with Corey. I like yeah. Corey. I, I like do. Him too. Yeah. So this episode was full of surprises, and we have one more in store for you at home. Stay tuned for our very special interview coming up next. Yes. Today, I'm joined by Stella Bach herself, Greta Lee, and we're going to talk about the morning show. <laughs> Thanks All for having time. me. I was so excited to see you in episode one. So I really, I just want to really get into it. Um, Let's do it. We, you know, we'd love to know that if, whether or not, Stella likes the term girl boss because she is mm. one. And would she really consider herself a, a girl boss? That is such an interesting and loaded question. Um, <laughs> question number one, we're, we're you know, not beating around the bush here. Um, not. Yeah. I mean, I think that it, it's so complicated, right? Because I think on the one hand, she would absolutely have no qualms with, with identifying as as yeah, a girl boss in like the fullest sense of what would you have a problem with uh, a woman who is so young that she could be perceived as a girl being a boss? I mean, I guess like the way that I I would imagine she would maybe like girl boss, but like in like an alt radical way, if that makes sense. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we'd love to know from a business perspective, you know, does does Stella admire any of the sort of qualities that Corey has? Or, you know, is she just continually frustrated that he keeps blocking her from running the network the way that she wants? And I think that what is so, so terrific about the way they've set up the show and the season for, for this character is we see her start out one way and then we get to see an evolution. I mean, she's someone who came in guns blazing with no chill whatsoever. Uh, and like a almost, I mean, an extreme disregard for how she was coming across because she had these, these blinders on in terms of what she wanted to accomplish. And, and I'm, you know, talking about 
coming from previously an online media company and, and catering to a mostly Gen Z audience, and then now having to pivot to UBA, which is a very different world, and having to interface with people who like the Corey Ellisons of the world, like Alex Levy, like you know Sybil, Holland, Holland Taylor's character, people who maybe she wouldn't otherwise rub shoulders with previously. And so I think that is the question of how much is she willing to sort of compromise and not compromise in order to, to run the business? So when it comes to someone like Corey, initially, though she sees him, she's like so unimpressed by Corey Ellison, which I think is, is so fun for me to play because, you know, I, I love him so much. Um, she sees him as sort of like a lame cis white man, which is hilarious because it's Corey Ellison. He's seminal. Like he's, he's so beloved. I mean, he's in this, this incredible uh persona and character, you know, that we've gotten to fall in love with season one. And then to have someone come in who just does not care. Well, it's know, really that, fascinating. That being said, I mean, she hasn't been able to run the network in the manner that she'd want. Do you feel that, you know, if Corey moved out of her way, you know, coming from a completely, you know, different background, as you said, do you think she'd actually be able to do a successful job? I think that's what's the really like complicated and frankly, kind of painful discovery in doing this. I, I mean, I had my own preconceived ideas of, okay, if Stella, like she self-identifies self as this visionary and she's so um, exuberant in her like genuine want of you know, making these efficacious changes to this environment. But I think even for her right away, she, she realizes that it's just not that simple. And even though you, you can want big, big sweeping changes, uh, not just for the workplace, but for the world, the way you execute that, it, it's not so tidy. It, it, it butts up against what you sometimes need to do to run a business, to be part of a, a, a corporation. Um, and Corey is, is interesting in that he, he, he kind of teaches her these really tough lessons um, and whether or not she's, she's wanting and able to accept them is a totally different story. Uh, but um, yeah, I, that's what I can appreciate too about the show. It, we're really not pretending that we have the answers in any sort of way. It, we're, we're really hoping the audience will come with us in moving towards the discomfort of like, of not knowing, not knowing the answer, whether it's, you know, workplace toxicity or gender, racial inequity, I, we don't know. I would love to segue into a fan question because sure. it, kind of, it kind of sets it up. Um, Marie Lorenzo from Seattle, Washington asks, Stella isn't a fan of Alex. And, you know, she makes this convincing plea to Alex to say yes to moderating the convention. Do you feel that Stella believed any of those things or was it just her play to get Alex to say yes? Speaking of one of those beautiful monologues, that was excellent on your, on your end. I love Oh, it. thanks. Thanks. That was, um, that was a, a, like a, a day that was like earmarked from, from the beginning of, okay, like that's, that's going to be a, a challenging day. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think that that's the question that we're trying to ask with Stella it, as she progresses, as we see her over the course of the season, 
starting out a certain way, intent on doing certain things. I mean, we're asking, but what is she, what is she willing to compromise on in order to, to be a boss, to lead? What do you do to be an effective leader? Sometimes you have to take an idea that wasn't your own. Um, you have to um, carry out certain things that you, that maybe your heart wasn't uh, invested in initially. Um, and um, that I think that was what was so tricky about that scene, but ultimately so gratifying uh, and challenging to, to do with Jen um, to show those turns in a real way. I mean, she did not want Alex to moderate. Um, and even the way she handles Daniel, Daniel Henderson, I think that I, I could imagine some people in the audience thinking, well, I thought she wanted diversity. I thought her whole thing was not having two white women. So, and then she's going to reject Daniel. But that to me was, speaks to what is so great about this show. Mm -hmm. I, it's not easy. It's not these questions that we're, we're asking. It's not, there's no tidy answer. Um, and I, and I actually, you know, maybe a controversial opinion. I love that Stella turns down Daniel and because it shows that it's not just about diversity for diversity's sake. And she's having to juggle being to, to do her job and also what she believes personally. And it, and it's, it's hard. I do want to bring it back because as I said before, I, loved seeing you uh, uh that first episode i'm like yes there is an asian there was <laughs> there wasn't an asian on the first season speaking of diversity but you know we've talked about this on the show and i've been really vocal about it you know i i love that that stella is this powerhouse and she knows what she wants and obviously she is this young you know executive that has something to prove but you know it kind of I'm kind of a little weary because she kind of takes on a little bit of those dragon lady stereotypes. Oh, interesting. Really hoping that as the season goes on, I can see her more as a full-bodied character. I want to see those gentle emotions, maybe a softer side. I don't know. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe from my lips to the writer's ears. Talk to me about what your, your thoughts on how we've seen her portrayed so far in the season. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, I, yes, <laughs> I'm leaving. Uh, no, I, I really appreciate uh, you picking up on that. I mean, I think what was so important to me was, I mean, not showing like a, a flawed woman for the sake of being flawed or a vulnerable woman who's, you know, just like so raw. I know we, I wanted to be realistic about, why do we have this stereotype of poker face, dragon lady, made of steel, thick skin? Where does that come from? Is there any truth in that kind of a human, who, Asian or not actually? And we're, we're wanting to weave into Stella. Is there a reason why she has had to be that way? What? was required of her in order to become the success. You know, people don't exist in vacuums. So is there a reason why, and we get to see it. I mean, what is so 
it's also like I had to remind myself that Stella Bach is the new Corey Ellison. That is insane. And we know, I, I mean, I stand Corey Ellison forever. Like we, that, Corey, Billy's performance of, of Corey Ellison season one, I mean, it is, is seminal. It is so, yeah. And, but part of what was so terrifying about playing Stella and what honestly attracted me to it was just to see that play out, that difference of, okay, there's a new network news president. She is the same. Is she going to be treated the same way as Corey Ellison was in that position? No. And that is a much more real and honest depiction. So in terms of like that, the way she starts off and, you know, whether you want to call it a dragon lady or, you know, that sort of like stoicism, the dryness. I mean, I guess like I maybe would, I'm more reluctant to attribute it directly to, to race and more to, I mean, it's such a messy cauldron of ageism. Also like this generational divide, like what you have to do to be taken seriously if you look young and, uh, and being a woman, right? I mean, I think that we we're wanting to start out there. And then as the season progresses without giving anything away, I think we do get to see um, some other things seep through. I mean, you know, whether she, Stella wants them to come out or not. Um, and it's through the relationship of Corey and Stella and also Alex and Stella. What have you, Greta, been able to do to influence Stella as, as a character? I mean, I, I wish I could take more credit for the way she looks, but Sophie, our, our, our costume designer did such an amazing job. Also, first of all, we have to just give it up for Stella's wardrobe. I, I have never, I, I've never so aggressively wanted to just run for the hills with like an entire wardrobe. Uh, I, it, she only wears Chanel, Balenciaga, Gucci, Prada. It, it's insane. It's really insane, but it's not just like an arbitrary choice. I, I think what's so great is it, it, that's a reflection of Stella and how she sees herself. It's such a flex, you know, she's like, yeah, I'm a boss. I'm successful. This is how I want to be portrayed as a boss. And this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to break some rules. I'm going to wear a lavender Adidas tracksuit to work. We are totally out of time, but Greta, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And congratulations. And we're matching. I know. I was like, we called each other. We knew. We did. We did. <laughs> so why don't you go to the Times and just tell them that Fred is trying to libel Hannah? Or do you not want to do that because you'll get fired because it's not in the network's interest? No, of course, I'm trying to do the right thing, Bradley. Why is that where your mind goes? Look, Hannah told you her story. She confided things in you. She didn't confide in anyone else. And, well, for better or worse, you're my Jiminy Cricket. So I'm, I'm asking you, as a, a moral center of mine, as the person who's more concerned with what's right or wrong than anyone I've ever met, if I can find some way to contain this, to keep Hannah from being publicly denigrated, should I do it? 
I will do whatever you say because I know it'll be the right decision. Should I do whatever it takes to keep the story from being published? Yes, absolutely, yes. So now let's jump into our other favorite part of the show, and this is where we talk about some of our favorite moments. So Kevin, do you have a favorite? The interview. Mm. Um, I thought it was so genuine and so vulnerable, but I'm afraid that it's gonna backfire somehow. Oh. Um, and I just don't want it to, because I really believe everything he's saying. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. think it's any of it's bull crap. Um, but he just said, what I also liked too, is the exchange that they had when he said, I'm just pretty damaged. Why do you want to stay? And she said, the damaged thing makes me feel at home, which makes me curious about her past. Ooh. And I want to see how that comes together. And, you know, it's these two people that I'm hoping, like I could see them getting together, but I'm, I'm hoping they continue that kind of platonic thing because I feel like two damaged souls, if they're going to heal each other somehow, I'm just not sure how that's going to play out yet. Yeah, a bit of a savior complex, maybe, because when we first meet her, she's True. coming to Mitch's rescue. True. And maybe that's just where she feels most at home, is, yeah, finding these kind of damaged people and oh, trying to, to save them. That's a good thought. I don't know. I was, I was thinking about it, and you, I'm thinking about, like, this sort of time span that all of this has transpired between Paula and, and Mitch. And for me as a person, to meet somebody out on the street... And then one, give them their phone number. You know, get, you know, Mitch was like, yeah, yeah, you have my number. And then all of a sudden, they're getting this close and this intimate really fast. That personally yeah. freaks me out. Like, all of a sudden, you know, you don't really know what her backstory is. You don't know, you know, she does this interview. He, how well does he know her? And he's, he's putting his thoughts of how how he's revealed like how he's realized that he's this monster onto you know on recording he doesn't really know who she is he met her on the street you know yeah. she could have been doing the whole facade and now she has oh you're doing this interview for me like that that cynical so you skeptical. think that she's got ulterior motives i or you're worried that she I'm might. worried that she has an alternative I don't or think she does. ulterior motive there yeah. I'm worried that she has an ulterior motive I am and because it's like all of a sudden we're beginning to like Mitch again well not to say that most pe most people have have not liked Mitch but there's we're now seeing a side of him that is likable that you know he's coming down to earth he's he's humble now but you know, coming back to what I said last last week, it would be interesting now that like he's documented on this on her documentary, and if she gets COVID and dies, he might feel like he she her last dying wish could be like, please get my my documentary out there, and then what is it going to look like for him to be producing this documentary where he's a focus at some point, mm. and people aren't going to believe him again which will be horrible because, or he's gonna die and she's gonna release it, I don't know. I don't know if the, I don't We're doing know predictions if, against him, right? I don't know if they would kill off Mitch. That would be like a total like plot, like it'd be a total twist. <laughs> if they and did. the twist. The twist. <laughs> yeah, Kira, do you have a favorite? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> you know what I love? I love it when Alex comes back in her true form. And yes. that whole, 
scene where she's, you know, we already know she's been flipping out at the book. And I was just kind of wondering, you know, the whole, the whole Zen thing that we saw earlier. I was like, yeah, that was only for a second because here is Alex completely flipping out with this back pain, going to Maggie's room and demanding to see the book. She's cuckoo. I mean, it really, it really made me wonder if she was on something other than Advil. No, oh. I, I have back issues, so and that's going to aggravate anything that she's going through. <laughs> so I, told her, I was like, oh, I feel your pain. But um, we don't know how she got the back issues, right? Like, did I miss something, or she no. just had no? Them? Okay, but, but you see, like once on the plane, she just kind of goes, mm. yeah, and that was it. I'm like, oh, that's coming back somehow. But I feel like it's a manifestation or it's symbolic oh, yeah. of all the stuff that's piling onto her. Oh. Absolutely. For sure. But like, you know, she's going, Maggie, I want to see the book. I know you have, like, to see she's her. She's desperate. Just... She's so oh, scared. Gosh. Yeah, but it, it's like, oh, you know, she has every reason to be scared. And to, yeah. to hear Maggie say, you know, we fact-checked everything. Oh, and, you know, she's like, you didn't you didn't run this by me. And So she did have something with Mitch. We all know that. She's admitted it. And she's uh, telling. She's admitted it. Right, to the audience. Yes. Yeah. But to, to Maggie, she says, no, it never happened. But I feel like at the same time, you know, her fear is that, yes, the truth is in there and she's going to reveal the truth, but that truth isn't going to be the actual truth. Mm. The truth is it was a long time coming. It was a culmination of all these feelings that they've been having for so long. What was going on in their personal lives? Like you can never, like when we find out things about people, we don't know everything that created that and it must stink to be somebody in that position where you can reveal all these things about them but they don't really know the nitty-gritty of it and that it's not as um i don't even know what the word is like scary or horrible as maggie's going to make it out to be and i could see i can't even imagine having some of my past suddenly come out in a book for the world to see it's, without any sort of context. context. Yeah, and especially when you're back on the world stage and everyone loves you and you're this feminist pioneer right. and she's now this icon and idol for this book to come out now. It's going to be just that. and reverse that when she, she just kind of got that back. Well, she even says it. She even reiterates what Stella had used to convince her to to moderate. Right. She yeah. reuses it. She's like, I, I am this, like, what did she say? I'm like the symbol of your femininity, even to you, yeah. to America. <laughs> yeah. But what I was wondering is, it's like, we, as the audience member, we, we, we know, we, we've broken the fourth wall. Well, no, hold on, let me take that back. We, as the audience, we know that she and Mitch have slept together. I think that she's twice, she, she'd mentioned. Um, and I was wondering if it's not, is it, is it really that? Is it, you know, is it, she does, obviously she doesn't want the fact that she and Mitch have slept together, but, but why? And I was wondering, is it because she doesn't want her, is it what her daughter is going to think of her? You know? Mm. Like, maybe yeah, because she was married. Yeah, exactly. I, I can't wait to find out, like, what Maggie really knows. I know. Like, right. what is in that book. Because she's not saying a lot. I'm like, what if there's not a lot in there? Yeah. yeah, she's like a poker player. But although the cover of the book was pretty, pretty much stolen. <laughs> right. But I loved how <laughs> Maggie was like, up. oh, yeah, you know, I, I did speak to Mitch. And, you know, we did, we did have a conversation. And I could, I could tell you verbatim what it was that she said. And it was like, F you. And I was like, oh, you know. So that's great, yeah. too, because he's like, I'm not talking. But then, but then it's also like, did, you know, did Chip say anything? Did Chip know? Chip said he was protecting her. 
right? Yeah. Off the record. Off the record. But you know how how much did he reveal? Did like did he know? Did he not know? I guess maybe he didn't. It'd be very interesting if like the mm -hmm. book comes out and it's super positive about her. Yeah. That would be a, like a twist. That would be the twist. That would be a twist. <laughs> that would be a twist. And then she was just manic and crazy for nothing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But what is she hiding that? is making her manic and crazy. Yes, but I like I, I like the crazy Alex, so. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I mean, I do. Yeah, well one really fun surprise was the appearance of Audra, played by Mindy Kaling. Audra is from a competing network. Yeah. Would they really allow the anchor from a computer network <laughs> just to saunter into the, you know, into the studio, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, Oh, and, and yeah, I get that Audra and uh, Daniel are friends and they're gonna go to lunch, but like, you know, she made such a point to make it all the way to the studio and make it all the it's way to her, her office. To her office, I'm like, ah. And in the office, in not the even office. waiting outside. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. That, <laughs> she made it past security. Like, this is 9-11, she made it past security. I don't, I didn't buy it, but it was a good, I, I like that little, that, that little thing that happened. And speaking yeah, of that, I'm yeah. confused why she's there for lunch with Daniel, because we saw Stella in his office and they haven't told us what that conversation was about. Well then. Because I really still, thought he was fired. He, he's still yeah. there. Maybe Which he should just, be. He was just we reprimanded. Need we need it, mom, maybe. But I kind of wish we had seen that. Maybe they cut it out for time, but I kind of wish we had seen that. Well, I'm sure in, in good old the morning show fashion, it all will be revealed within Flashback. time. <laughs> Flashback for sure. Yes. Uh, there were also some really crucial key moments. Like this episode was packed with stuff. Um, one was Corey and uh, Fred on the phone. That's how oh, yeah. the episode opens. Mm. What did you guys think about that? Ah, Corey has fallen from grace in my eyes. Like to know that we all knew that he wanted that CEO position. Like Chip, even in season one, kind of like brought it up and was yeah. almost offering it to him, to, to Corey in the fall of Fred. And to see that, you know, he, he kind of put his moral, he put his moral compass on the line and he, you know, he, he bit the apple. This mm. is, you know, Corey biting the apple as opposed to letting Fred really take the fall. He bit the apple to have the CEO job and I'm kind of like heartbroken about it because I kind of wanted him to be, and it is, it's the morning But he show. couldn't be perfect forever. I know, but it is, you know, I can, I can want, I can want things, Kevin, I can <laughs> want. <laughs> but can we talk about Corey finding out about Laura oh, and Bradley, oh. and to hear him like choke, like, and as much as he, you know, he's fallen from grace in my eyes, I did not, I, I felt that. I felt the, mm -hmm. on the phone, you know? Yeah, which makes a lot of sense. And I'm really happy that they had a flashback too, to oh, show kind yeah. of Corey and Bradley's um, intimate moment, but not, they didn't, you know. Didn't go anywhere. Cross any, yeah, it, oh, it didn't go anywhere. We don't know. We think. <laughs> yeah, so, so it I'm just curious. gives context. Yeah, I'm curious where that's going to go. I thought it was also interesting that, and how did, Chip's assistant know that Bradley and Laura were seeing each other. Cause he said, oh, the rumors on the street, they were seen together. Oh, yeah. And he's like, don't, don't even go there. And oh. he's like, oh, okay. And he's like, no, really don't go there. It's because he said that a friend of his 
he, a friend of his had reported to him that what he had saw. Right, but the, my thing is like, why aren't they being more careful? Oh yeah. And number two, just because she's a lesbian, every time she's with a woman, somebody's gonna assume. That's true. You know, that's weird. One moment that really sticks out to me is when Stella was leaving the newsroom and going in the van, and yeah. the guy on the street just started oh. saying all these racial slurs and being really ugly and gross. And um, Yanko. Yanko comes and defends her after we see in the last episode that he was kind of upset with her for not you know, making him apologize and do things he didn't want to do. But his moral character kind of came out of that and, and protected her even though she was in the van and had left and didn't see any of that happen. And it was just a really interesting moment because it shows the good in his heart that he wants to stand up for his coworker and his friend. And also the guy filming on the, the phone behind him capturing Yanko's fight against this other guy. And I wonder like, oh no, is this gonna get twisted in a way where it's this like unhinged weatherman just beating people up on the right, street. Right, because and he just, he's already talking spirit animals so they think he's yeah, already a racist. Yeah, because you maybe didn't catch that beginning part and just, I don't, yeah, it's kind of, it puts him in a tough spot. And I mean, you're doing a noble thing, but if people don't catch the whole act, you can interpret it different ways. I'm glad that you brought up this moment because as an Asian American woman, and luckily, in the era of COVID, you know, I have not experienced anything like that. I've definitely seen the reports. Obviously, there's a rise in, you know, Asian American, Pacific Islander hate. Um, but to see it and to hear it, like, it hit. And it was, I'm glad that they, they're shedding light on the, these things that are happening. And it's really prevalent in like big cities, like obviously New York and San Francisco, a little bit here in Los Angeles where we, where we film. Um, but, you know, I, it, it really like hit home. And to think, you know, that is happening. It's, it's happening to major characters, or it's happening to characters on television that, we're, you know, we're watching, but that is actually happening every day. And it's, you know, kudos to the writers to actually bring that part up, because it is a big, it, it is a big thing, not only 2020, but it's happening even now. Um, but yeah, it, it made me uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm glad that we, they're talking about it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, let's go back to Yanko for a second because, you know, we see him using spirit animal in a, in a way that, you know, it is not appropriate anymore to, to say. Then they're like, you should apologize. And he's like, I don't want to. But then he does. But then it's like, it's not the bit word of the it best. It might be. Right. Kind of an apology. And then they're like, okay, we're, we want to take send you to a museum to learn about the culture. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. And he's obviously open to it, but then they're like, we're gonna send a camera crew. And he's like, and he's right. Send a camera crew, people think, oh, you're just doing it for you know, the visuals. You don't really care. But if he does it on his own, people either won't believe him or you know, if he doesn't make a big deal out of it, it's not important. He can't win. And I think that's where his frustration's coming too. Um, and then he even says, you know, Stella, you know, assumes that I'm a Republican and you can see her eyes light up because mm -hmm. she just wants to hit every sort of kind of issue or that's what he thinks. 
But I do feel like he is probably a Republican, again, but I don't think he's that extreme Republican, right. which is nice to see the balance there. So you guys, I want to jump back to this phone call with uh, Bradley and Corey and him kind of using her as his Jiminy Cricket, you know, to, to do, you know, asking her whether or not he should do whatever it takes to bury the story. And she's like, absolutely. And I don't know, you guys, mm -hmm. this is kind of going in this prediction area because if you go back to where he's on the phone with his attorney and they're talking about the story and all you hear is his attorney basically says, oh, you know, you're gonna need to get a bigger story in order to, to bury it. Yeah. I mean, I- I just don't think he would hurt Bradley. Cause that's gonna hurt Bradley. But he's hurt. He, he, I know, he, but- In that, in that phone call. Like, does he have another option? I just, mm, I don't know. Maybe though, they're, maybe that's the red herring is that we think that's what he's gonna do, but he's gonna reveal something else. I don't know what that Smells is. fishy. Isn't <laughs> it red herring? <laughs> oh. oh, I know, bum bum. I, I, I feel that this could possibly be, I mean, just the look on his face. And now we're seeing this other side of Corey that I don't want it, but maybe. Yeah, I don't yeah. want it either. So. How about you, Morgan? What is your prediction? Uh, I think, well, when we leave Alex at the end of the episode, she's sitting in a plane in the dark alone. And I think she's just going to turn into a out of control mess until this book comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's not going to be able to eat, sleep. But I kind of, now that you mention it, I don't think the book is going to be as bad as she's thinking it's going to be. Mm -hmm. yeah. So she might be slightly relieved once it finally comes out. But up until that point, she's just going to be this like person no one wants to be around. Right? <laughs> like, well, I this isn't a prediction. I'm just going to I'm, I'm just going to talk through it. You know, Corey wanted Alex to moderate this so hard. He pushed everyone so hard to get her to moderate this, and then ultimately, that's not what happened. And we, I, I feel that we we haven't talked about this, but Laura at one point mentions to Bradley that, you know, they're thinking about replacing Corey because, you know, he's hemorrhaging all this money on the streaming service. He's not making all of these uh, great decisions as the current CEO. And so I'm kind of wondering what that fallout, you know, does Bradley, you know, is, did, does Bradley hit it out of the park? You know, they, they didn't, they, she wasn't the first choice. She was the backup choice. So what is, you know, what is the fallout going to happen from that? Because Alex being the moderator right. in a way was supposed to help save UBA and help us get through March is what, is what Corey says. So I'm really interested to see what happens after that. What? Oh, what, yeah. what? What, you just, like as I you were saying that, I was like, off. yeah, I was like, <laughs> what if during, when she's moderating, she actually finally, maybe like an issue comes up about LGBTQ rights, Ooh. and she finally says something, which A, takes, the, takes it off of Corey, so he doesn't have to be the one to release it, but also maybe even expands her popularity, they get all the, you know, the groups like behind her, but it also takes the focus off on that because everybody's like, what? When did this happen? But she completely chokes when she, she's trying to say that to Stella. You know, when She you, does. So do you, you think she gets her big girl pants on and she's just but like. I <laughs> be, because I wonder if she wants to help Corey. Oh. 
Oh, but then her relationship with Alex would be terrible. Because Alex doesn't like Laura. That's true. And like, how would they it's trust all bad. each other? They're, it's all, it's bad. all bad. It's all <laughs> bad. But you know what? We love the drama. Yeah, it, we wouldn't, do. it wouldn't be the morning show without it, right? Five more episodes. Uh, and <laughs> can you believe it? Now. Uh, we are out of time, guys. No. I know. But we're officially halfway through season two, which is wild. Yeah, it's wild. Right? Already. Right? It's yeah. crazy. Um, thank you so much for spending the morning with us on the Morning Show After Show. And please don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and hit that notifications button on YouTube. You can find us also on Twitter at HCA Critics and follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Critics Association. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Morgan Rojas. I'm Kevin Taft. I'm Carolyn. And we'll all see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. It's done. Hey, we're done. Yay. <laughs>